Hey guys, this is Colin Zhu, aka The Chef Doc, and I know it's been a minute since the last time you and I have spoken, and I want to thank you so much for following the Thrive Bites podcast. And I just want to let you know that there's good reason for that, and let me explain. In almost six months, I've been working tirelessly and diligently to helping people near and far during this tumultuous year that we've had from 2020 into 2021. And I said to myself, what more can I do to inspire and impact others? And you guys know me, I'm all about thriving. I'm all about thriving from a emotional, mental, and physical standpoint. That is the reason why I wrote Thrive Medicine. And that is the reason why I started this podcast called Thrive Bites. And so I decided that I wanted to put together a virtual summit experience, gathering over 50 speakers. That includes physicians, dietitians, fitness experts, coaches, and spanning over five pillars in teaching someone else on learning how to thrive. And I call this the Thrive Formula. The five pillars consist of food as medicine, functional fitness, relationships, community, and resilience. And the reason why I've chosen to do this is because I really wanted to give more tools, more education, and more inspiration. And letting people know that they're not alone and they don't have to be ill-equipped for life and whatever life throws at you, whether it's a curveball, whether it's an obstacle, whether it's a roadblock. And I worked really hard to provide this and I'm happy to announce that it is fully released and it's fully accessible. And you may ask yourself, who is this for and what does it consist of? This is for the individual that prioritizes their health and wellness and also wants to take charge of their own well-being. It's also for the healthcare professional and the healthcare professional student because I wanted to create a summit experience that I wish I could have had when I was in school. The summit experience has over 50 plus hours plus more ranging from culinary demonstrations to fitness demonstrations to scientific medical sessions. And we answer questions like, what is Whole Foods plant-based cooking? How do I start cooking back in my kitchen? What affects my brain, gut, and immune health? What are the tools for my own emotional and mental well-being? How can I be more of service and lead by example? What kind of nutrition do I need to give my children nowadays? To how do I navigate self-doubt, self-sabotage, my inner critic? to what are the best physical movements to increase my mobility, strength, flexibility, and function. And one of my favorites is how do I create more joy, contentment, and happiness in my own life? This summit also works like a masterclass series where you get to learn and further your education. And I do this by providing quizzes with every session and I provide workbooks. And there's also recipes and very, very special speaker bonuses. You'll also have the opportunity to join a private Facebook community to further your growth and connect with like-minded individuals. So if this resonates with you, please join us on this journey to further yourself and take back 2021 and beyond. You can find us at thethriveformula.co. That's T-H-E-T-H-R number five, formula.co. And come on inside and I'll see you in there. Cheers. Hey guys, welcome to Thrive Bites, the official podcast of Dr. Colin Zhu, aka The Chef Doc. On every episode, I talk with health and wellness experts from all over the world, such as doctors, chefs, dietitians, coaches, and many more. And I sit down with them and have casual conversations about plant-based lifestyle, how to elevate our emotional resilience, and what it really means to thrive. And I bring all of this to you. So let's get to this week's episode. Okay, guys. Well, welcome to another episode of Thrive Bites. I'm your host, Colin Zhu, and thank you for listening on. So I have a special guest with us today. His name is Dr. Harry Kredis. Say hi, everyone. Uh, Harry. Hi, everybody. <laughs> 
Well, thank you so, so much for joining and hopping onto the show. I am so excited for you to be here. For those of you who don't know who he is, um, he is an emergency physician, medical toxicologist, and a medical director by trade. He practices in the Chicagoland area. And uh, he's a, I love this guy. He, you know, understands the issues that physicians face every day. Um, you know, he talks about stress, lack of motivation, mental fatigue, and how that has been very, very common in our practice of medicine. For those of you that are, you know, non-healthcare professionals, you know, we also physicians face that as well. So I'm very excited for him to be here to, you know, share a story and to really go into it. Um, Harry, you know, I'd like to start off the session really getting to know our guests and, you know, really, I really believe in the power of storytelling and, you know, sharing, you know, how does someone go from point A to point B? So let's start off by asking, you know, tell me your story, you know, how did you get into emergency medicine and your subsequent field? Sure. And there, there's a story there too. So I appreciate that. Thank you for having me on the show. So actually, I wasn't actually sure I was going to go into emergency medicine, quite honestly, Colin. You know, I went to, I was born and raised here in Chicago and I went to the University of Illinois down in Urbana-Champaign. And um, I always loved biology. I always loved the sciences. I always loved medicine. But I'm not wasn't really sure I wanted to make that commitment to go into medical school. It's a long, it's a long path to become a physician, but I knew I wanted to stay somewhere in medicine, perhaps. And a lot of my my community that I, I lived in, my neighborhood that I lived in, were, you know, paramedics, Chicago paramedics, Chicago firefighters, Chicago policemen. That's what the community was. So I went to college, I got my degree in, in biology, but while in college, I love sports. I just, I've loved sports ever since I was a little kid. And I remember going to these, you know, these huge football games and, you know, big hockey games. And I remember going there telling my friends, like, how do we get closer? How do we get closer to the action? And one of the, one of the surest ways we found was we have to get on the sidelines. And the way we can get on the sideline is uh, you become part of the medical team. So mm. I became, I became an emergency medical technician. I, I got my training as an EMT basic at U of I. Um, really selfishly, just so I can get closer to to the action. And my path <laughs> at that point, at my my path at that point, Kala was I was just going to graduate. And I was probably going to go ahead and just become uh, a paramedic. That was really my, my goal was to become a Chicago paramedic because that's what I knew. Um, so actually, that was my path. I started working on a private ambulance company here in Chicago uh, because at that time, and I'm pretty sure it's still the same way as it is now, is you can't just become a Chicago paramedic. You have to go through paramedic school, uh, which I did. And then you have to put your name on what they call the list. And uh, what the list is, is this nebulous list uh, that the Chicago Fire Department has. And when it's time to have new paramedics, to hire new paramedics, if fill the seats of the retired medics, uh, they open up this list and they go down the list. And if you, wherever you are on the list, they call you to begin processing. And that at that time was about two years. That's what we were told. It takes about two years after you get your paramedic license to get called up to become a Chicago paramedic. So I was working as, as a, you know, a Chicago paramedic with a private ambulance company. But then I also started working as an intern, um, just as my training with the Chicago Fire Department. I remember telling my partner, um, after we brought in a very horrible trauma, a very horrible trauma, it was just multiple gunshot wounds. We brought that patient to Cook County Hospital, and uh, which is our, which is our, you know, one of the biggest trauma centers we have here in the Midwest. And, and I remember bringing this patient in the trauma bay, and it was just exactly what you would imagine seeing on TV. Uh, but we walk in the patient, but the thing that I still remember is, um, Every physician in there, every nurse in that trauma bay was just had a sense of, just a sense of calm about them. Everybody had a role. Everybody knew what their role was. And it was just such a well-oiled machine. And I remember leaving that patient. I remember turning to my partner. I go, you know what? If I ever, ever got to medical school, this is what I'd want to do. And this is where I'd want to do it. And my partner just, in typical Chicago style, he's just like, well, just go do it. I'm like, all right, I might as well just go do it. And that's what I did. <laughs> And that's exactly what I did, Colin. I applied to medical school. I applied to medical school. And the funny story about all this is from the, the time I became a paramedic, 
Um, and I got accepted into medical school six months later. And then six months later, six months and one week later, I got a, a letter from the Chicago Fire Department saying, you know what, Harry, your name was selected. You can go ahead and begin processing at the Chicago Fire Academy. And I'm like, my goodness, you know, what was thinking was going to be a two-year wait was actually six months and one week, but I actually had gotten into medical school. I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to go to medical school with the hope of becoming an emergency physician. And that's what I did. I became laser focused on becoming an emergency physician. And, uh, you know, luckily I actually got into uh, Cook County Hospital's uh, emergency medicine residency program. And uh, that's, that's where it all began for me. Wow. That, that's awesome. Um, so you started off as a EMT first before you went into it. That's awesome. Yep. That's exactly right. <clears throat> um, that triggered. So I love Chicago. Number one, I have a lot of, uh, I have a lot of friends. Um, I do have some family members there and, uh, you know, I'm not a Midwesterner. So, you know, if it weren't for the two thirds, you know, winter of the year, I would, you know, mm -hmm. absolutely love it. It's, it's such a gorgeous place. Um, and it, it also brought me like when you were talking about being, you know, in the sidelines and the stands, I remember doing, um, so I'm a very physically active person myself. And I remember doing a Spartan race, um, within, uh, Wrigley field. Um, mm. and it was, you know, a lot of fun, uh, doing that. And it's, um, emergency medicine is, you know, when I've done, I, I practice family medicine and I've done emergency medicine rotations and, it definitely invites um, and it caters to someone that needs to be able to, you know, be calm, you know, in the midst of a storm, you know, mm -hmm. and not everyone is really cut, you know, um, you know, out of that cloth, you know, to do that. And it definitely takes, you know, a very special person. Um, and probably, you, you know, you were mentioning about the trauma bay and how everyone was working you know, so, you know, within their respective roles and acting like a team. And, you know, that's kind of like a nice uh, analogy to, you know, baseball and how everyone has their own specific role and acts like a team as well. Um, so it was, I'm sure it was nonstop. Um, and it was just exciting. Do you have any, um, I guess, highlighted uh, moments uh, during, during your career uh, that you can think of off the top of your head? Like, what's the most you know, eye catching or eye popping, you know, moment that you've uh, encountered? You know, there's, there's so many of them, you know, I think, you know, uh, being at a, at a level one trauma center, there's just so many of them. You see, um, you know, a, a, a lot of, I wouldn't say evil, but I guess we'll call that we'll call a lot of evil that happens, but in the same, in, in almost probably even the same shift, you see some of the, the humanity and some of the, some of the love, uh, we have for each other. So there's so many, um, uh, so many great stories I have um, during my time as a resident, even before I became an attending. Um, but I remember one of our, our trauma surgeons, uh, she, she was such a phenomenal, Dr. Joseph, I still remember her so well, um, African-American trauma surgeon. And at that time, it was not very common to see uh, a female trauma surgeon. Mm. And, I, and I remember here in Chicago, um, still so, but at that time, even more so, perhaps there was a lot of gang activity. And it was easy to kind of go down that rabbit hole of, you know, I can't believe these young kids are, you know, are really harming each other. They're shooting each other, they're killing each other. And I remember her telling us, and it's always stayed with me. I remember her telling, telling the team, telling the group, she's like, you guys will never know um, what these, what these kids are going through. You just, you will never know. You are privileged. You've, you've lived a very privileged life. You will never know that, uh, it had had they been given a choice, had they been given some resource, had they been given some some place other to do, they would have chosen a life of 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 being in gangs. But this is the this is a life that that's that they that they've come to, and that always stayed with me. It's always been a part of me that yeah, it's it's easy it's easy to judge, but it's also more important to say let's step back a little bit and see how we can help uh, help others and be part of a community rather than part of a you know, offering solutions rather than being part of the problem. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, it comes back to, you know, our training with compassion and empathy um, and, you know, taking the Hippocratic Oath and, you know, being, you know, of service and doing no harm to others. And, um, you know, with the, the pandemic um, and, you know, with, you know, Black Lives Matter, you know, those, I guess, issues come back again 
you know, um, in terms of, you know, COVID with, you know, uh, you know, health disparities, you know, based off of, you know, systemic racism. And, you know, so she, she presents like a very good point in terms of just a simple concept of, you know, putting yourself in someone else's shoes, right. And, 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 and imagining, because we can never be in someone's shoes. Right. Um, and, and just imagining, you know, what is that person you know, can face, um, you know, what do they face every day? You know, what is their life on a day-to-day, you know, basis and never, and trying your best to not judge a book by its cover, um, because you just don't know what people, you know, deal with on a day-to-day. And, um, and so that, that also applies to, you know, physicians as well. Um, a lot of your work currently is revolving around physician burnout and physician wellness. And it's kind of funny how we can use, um, how it's interesting how we can use trauma, you know, how, what the things that we face in emergency medicine to trauma within oneself, sure. you know, like emotional and mental turmoil. And I don't know how much of the audience, you know, know or uh, not know, um, because I know that physicians are growing more and more mindful of physician wellness, burnout, and suicide uh, within the physician community. But what was the turning point in your career that maybe you have faced it yourself or you've witnessed and observed other people facing it? Like, what was the turning point that you kind of shifted, um, you know, to lead you to this road? Hey guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey guys, this is Colin Zhu, aka The Chef Doc, and thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to my podcast. On my podcast, we talk about eating and cooking and living from a whole foods, plant-based approach. And between my patients, clients, and my audience listeners, I get a lot of questions of, hey doc, how do I get started on how to set up a kitchen? Or what should I buy? What should I make? Is there something beyond a salad, broccoli, and a smoothie? I know in our fast-paced life and during a pandemic, it is much more challenging to be able to teach yourself and learning how to cook. And so I partner up with Listenable, who is a leader in audio educational courses that are bite-sized. And I went ahead and created a course on how to get started on a whole foods plant-based lifestyle. And in this course, I put in my best tips, tools, and tricks on everything I've learned on how to get someone started to eating more plants, getting healthier for you and your family. I talk about how to set up your kitchen from the pantry to the fridge, the freezer, to how to navigate the supermarket, to what kind of utensils and appliances one needs to have, to what do we need to make, how to meal prep, what kind of cooking techniques there are, and what exactly is whole foods plant-based. And I'm able to make this course over 10 lessons. Each of those lessons are less than 10 minutes long. And you'll be able to finish this in an hour. You could even do it while commuting, exercising, or even walking your dog. And in addition, you can choose from over 3,000 plus original audio lessons created by well-loved experts. Just use the coupon code ColinZhu, C-O-L-I-N-Z-H-U, on Listenable.io, and you'll be able to get 30% off a year of Listenable. So definitely check that out in the show notes, and check out the course on how to get started on a whole foods plant-based lifestyle. And I'll see you there. Thanks for listening. And now back to Thrivebytes. Welcome back to Thrivebytes. Let's get back to the interview. Sure. So I, I can remember this day uh, and very, very vividly, and I hope it stays with me actually because it keeps me where I'm at. It drives me. So as an emergency physician, uh, I always we always kid with each other. Is you always know how the night shift went went as soon as you walk into the ambulance bay doors and see the look of your colleague's face that you're going to be taking over care from. And I remember walking into the ambulance bay on on this uh, very beautiful but blustery fall um, fall morning many many years ago, and he was just he just uh, really had a rough shift, a really just annihilated, just a, a rough busy shift. So 
we just chatted for a little bit and our shifts typically start at 6 a.m. My group's shifts typically start at 6 a.m. and you're by yourself for the better part of the morning. And um, so I remember I, I saw by, by 7 a.m. in the morning, I had seen approximately seven patients, which is a pretty good clip for a community ED. That's where I'm mostly at now, the community emergency department. It's a pretty good clip for um, that type of turnaround, that those number of patients. But I remember as I was leaving one of the rooms, I remember I, I was leaving the room with my head down because the last patient I had seen had a, a pretty large hand laceration. And I remember saying to myself, oh my goodness, I've already seen mm. seven patients and hand lacks take, uh, take some time to repair because you have to do them just right because it's of the hand. Mm -hmm. And as I was feeling dejected, I remember just leaving the room trying to, to compose myself. And all I can remember seeing is my chargers just running, just running from the triage area, holding, um, holding a baby, which I could even see from 20 feet away that that baby was blue. And for mm. you know the non-healthcare listeners to to this show, that's a baby who's been without oxygen for some time. Mm. And as as you had mentioned earlier, you know the great thing about emergency medicine is it is very much a team approach, and that's exactly what we did. We got into the the whole team was there. I was there with my team of nurses were there with you know with respiratory therapy were there, and we got to work to try to resuscitate this child. This child was probably three months old, two three months old. And after trying to resuscitate the child for approximately an hour, we just weren't successful. That, that baby mm -hmm. had died. And, um, and I, that case bothered me quite a bit. Now, you know, being in emergency medicine now had for several, several years, that wasn't my first pediatric death. Uh, you know, I've had several and it's, they're all horrible. Every single one is horrible. Um, but that one very, it, it tugged on me, Colin, for quite a bit. Cause I remember sitting at my workstation and I look at my tracking board and my tracking board to those who may not know is a list of all the patients, active patients in the emergency department. And I look at my tracking board and in the hour that we were resuscitating that child or trying to resuscitate that child at eight patients had signed in to see me in the emergency department. Again, I'm by myself. Wow. And I remember my first thought, my first thought column was, oh my goodness, how am I going to see all these patients and chart on them? That was my mm. first thought, Colin. I remember saying to myself, mm -hmm. Harry, you're such a jerk. You're such a jerk. You didn't even, you didn't even have time to grieve with the mother. You mm. didn't even have time to grieve with the nurses. And heck, I didn't even have any time to just sit with my thoughts. My first thought, Colin, was, oh my God, I got to get back to the next patient so I could finish my charting. That was my first thought. I'm like, that's, that's a huge red flag. But what happened later was actually even more of a red flag for me. And more of my turning point was, you know, I went home. I did my shift. I went home that evening. And I remember walking in through the garage. I've got a beautiful wife and two, two young children. And I remember saying to myself, you know what, Harry, I don't want to tell my wife about my day. I don't want to burden her with mm. what, what just happened. I go, that's now in retrospect, that's a second red flag. <laughs> and, 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 and the third one that was really, really uh, mind blowing for me is, you know, at that time we had two young children. Uh, this was several years ago. Um, and how we used to do it is, you know, my wife would put one child to sleep and I would put the other child to sleep. And then we'd meet up afterwards and then just have some time for ourselves. So I put my one, I put my boy to sleep. And I remember walking down to the office, the office that I'm actually in right now, and I'm Googling the word physician burnout. And I'm saying to myself, Harry, wow. you're in this dark office by yourself, Googling the word physician burnout. And I said to myself, and it was like a hammer that came to me. I go, Harry, when you're at the point in your life, when you're Googling the word physician burnout, you're already there. You're already mm. there. And what I found, Colin, was what bothered me the most is there were really no good resources to help that doctor, to help that nurse go back to their shift the next day. You know, there are great resources about, you know, these weekend conferences, um, these week-long conferences, these weekend retreats, and those are all fine. Those are all needed. What I needed, though, Colin, is I needed to have a certain skill set so I can go back to work the next day because I had to go to work the next day. And that's what I didn't find. And that's why that's when I started to, as they say, scratch your own itch. And I created, you know, this this website, this Medicine Revived website, mm. my website and my podcast, Medicine Revived, to talk about those specific things. I want a physician and a nurse to not have to go not only not that's not a good way to say it. I think many of us will go through something similar, but
but I want them to have a space where they can actually go there and find tangible, actionable resources to help them achieve wellness. And that's really what I've, I've, uh, I've wanted to create. Right, right. Well, number one, thank you so much for, you know, uh, sharing that. Um, and I think that a lot of what we go through and the things that we ultimately create, unfortunately, needs to go through the path of being born out of struggle and being born out of, you know, suffering, you know, and I think that's one of the best uh, motivators to be able to create something beautiful. You know, there needs to be some sort of, you know, resistance, you know what I'm saying? Um, And you, you know, you just said it very eloquently, you know, a lot of, you know, we, we also have a lot of healthcare professionals that listen into this podcast as well. Um, And it's basically, you know, they can relate, they can, you know, share that, share that sentiment, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, what you've learned so far, um, you know, in terms of the burnout and the wellness, um, and I agree with you, you know, not having those resources and now it's becoming more and more highlighted. What were the top, you know, things that you learn in terms of either challenges and lessons, because you also teach it to others, you know, on your website, which is a great, beautiful website, medicinerevive.com. Um, you have a podcast, you're also a podcast host and you have your own, you know, academy. Um, and you talk about the three common symptoms of physician burnout, which is physical, emotional burnout, lack of em- empathy, and no sense of purpose. And you have a four-part course uh, to teach others. What was the biggest, I guess, hurdles in a way that you took away, you know, navigating through your own? Sure. I think one of it is is recognizing that that burnout is real. And by that, I mean is you hear about it a lot, actually. It's it's um, a lot of residencies have these you know seminars for burnout. Burnout is real, and going through it is is just miserable. This the dark dark pit of burnout is real. That's number one. I think um, that needs to be said because I think people almost kind of throw that word around like, yeah, I'm going through a little bit of burnout. No, being in burnout is very real and it's very miserable. Number two, that too many of us suffer in solitude just like me, right? During those that time, that dark time, I was in my office, in this dark office by myself, not even reaching out. And I have a, a wonderful social circle and um, I just felt very alone. So too many of us suffer in solitude. And number three is the way to get yourself out of it is you have to um, learn the lessons of leaders. And that's what I want to talk about a little bit about Colin is our lives, especially if you enter medical school or any other professional uh, role is our lives have been very, very scripted for medicine, Mm. for sure, right? It was college. For me, I took a little side step, went to paramedic school, but it was college, medical school, residency. And then finally, I did fellowship as a toxicologist, but then an attending as well. It's very, very scripted. And uh, we don't really, we're not really taught the aspects of leadership. Um, and the, what happens a lot of times, I think this is where part of the problem is with burnout is you are thrust into that role. You're thrust into that role of, okay, you've, you were a fourth year resident just yesterday. And all of a sudden now you're in charge of a department. That's the reality Definitely. of it though, yeah. right? As an emergency medicine, you're a senior EM resident, June 30th and July 1st, you're now in charge of a department <laughs> and, and no one's really given you those um, those resources, those skills, um, you have to learn to become a doctor. You have to learn how to become a leader. And that's where I think is, is the, the secret to conquering this thing we call burnout is we have to provide the resources to be a leader. Um, and, th- you know, as a medical director now, I am learning these every single day. And what I'm using is actually I'm using a lot of things that I'm learning as a leader and developing as a leader for my own personal well-being to grow for my own personal wellness. And that's what I write about. And that's what I talk about on my website and my podcast is um, there's no, um, there's no weekend workshop that's going to fix this thing called burnout. You have to create the curriculum yourself, but you need a guide. You need a guide, you need some resources, And that's really what I focus on. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely highly recommend, you know, checking out his website um, and his course. And, you know, it's, um, and I totally agree with you. It, you can't be, 
you know, just how we need to eat every day, just how we need to incorporate physical fitness. And sometimes people are weekend warriors. You can apply that same analogy of, you know, just doing things in bits, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think number one is I like the fact, I really love the fact that you were open enough um, and you were open enough to allow yourself to feel, you know, just the simple you know, the, uh, the ability to allow yourself to emote. And it goes back to what you're saying about how, yeah, we don't have these trainings, but at the same time is also being mindful that, you know, we are human beings as well, just with a professional, you know, skill set, right? But at mm-hmm. the same time, at our core, we're human beings. So it's kind of like, you know, it, 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 it's important to kind of see where your influences lie. You know, it could be from your parents. If you had, you know, parents, it could be from, you know, a particular form of spirituality, religion, or lack thereof, your community, school, your social circles. And that all becomes, you know, a part of who you are, you know, growing up. And so your ability to be aware, self-aware, you know, we hear things like emotional intelligence, emotional awareness, being the ability to be resilient, being adaptable. These different qualities and traits are very important to kind of guide us to, um, you know, just knowing where we're at in a given moment of time. And so for a specific, phys- for a physician, we're, you know, we are thrusted into a um, a situation, you know, it could be a hospital situation, emergency, surgical, you know, situation, and being able to have that kind of what I like to call an emotional barrier of not having things, you know, come through. But over time, it's not bulletproof. Like over time, it wears on you. You know what I'm saying? And you do your best to kind of put up a front. And, you know, y- you even mentioned about uh, Googling and not even sharing with your, you know, wife and being not too much of a burden. Think about, you know, applying that same thing with your best friend and, um, mm-hmm. you know, your work colleagues. And then over time, many people would find it surprising that, you know, one physician a day commits, you know, suicide. And, you know, in in a nation of where we're already short of physicians, that's a lot of physicians to lose, um, you know, even before COVID and now with COVID, it's like, you know, we need, you know, we need that. So I'm really glad that you've taken upon yourself, um, to be open for the experience to, for you to contemplate, marinate and process, and then have that be the motivator for you to create what you do. Yeah. Appreciate that. Thank you. So, you know, given that, um, you know, because it's such a, such a service to your colleagues? Like, what is that? How does that? um, Do you see that change within your colleagues, you know, whether virtually or in person? Like, what does that? What does that do for you to witness someone else change? You know, uh, given what you've learned and being able to dispense that for someone else? What does that mean to you? Well, it's, it's incredibly, um, satisfying to 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 hear it when a colleague uh will reach out will reach out to me and said you know uh, usually when my my show will um will, will drop or my blog will drop i'll usually get a text several texts from a colleague who listens to the show and like hey those like hey harry thanks so much but i didn't i didn't know about this or thanks for the tips what's well, actually really which really makes me smile so much from ear to ear is, you know, being in emergency medicine, we get to speak with practically every single specialty that there is. And it's always great when, you know, I'll speak with a consultant that I had called and then they'll, you know, we'll talk about the case, whatever the reason for the consult was. And almost in, as an ending to our conversation, like, Hey, Harry, man, I I listened to your podcast. That was great. When I, you know, I'm actually going to have, you know, one of the things I talk about is have a weekly meeting with your spouse to get yourself mm. set for the week. And like, Hey man, I, I appreciate the that tip. And I'm actually scheduled for this coming Sunday. That makes me smile. That makes me yeah. smile because it's, it's, it's helping that one person. If that one person again, tell another person it's, it's going to spread. And that's really what I, I always hope for is, you know, take the things that I'm learning every day and that I've learned and to continue spreading it and, to hopefully make this uh, a revolution because I yeah. think we, we expect um, a lot from our hospital systems. And I, I want to mention this uh, just for a moment is 
as a as a as a medical director, I'm I'm on that aspect of it too. I'm part of you know the the quote unquote system, but I'm also a clinician as well too. And I think many times there's this sense of you know well the system's got to do this for physicians or the system's got to do this for the nurses. And I always go back and tell Mike, okay, I hear you and I understand you and I understand that in order to help with things such as burnout, it does have to happen at the system level. But think about it. Think about the system that you're in. Think about the hospital system that you're in. Uh, hospital systems are not getting smaller. They're actually getting bigger and bigger practically every single month. Mm-hmm. So your hospital CEO, your hospital chief clinical officer has so many things that he or she is responsible for. And I always equate it to you are one person. Think of yourself as, as a speedboat. And think of the system as an aircraft carrier. If you need to pivot, if you need to change something, you can easily do it. Just go left or right. But for an aircraft carrier to make a left or right pivot, it takes a long time and it's very, very slow. So I always go back to them. I go, yes, I agree with you. I hear you. True change has to happen at the system level. But what are you doing? What are you doing today to help yourself become better today and to become better tomorrow? And that's really what I try to instill with my listeners and uh, is to do that. What are we going to do together? What are we going to do today to help lead you in that direction? My, my, I always try to tell people that I work with, I go, the best thing you could do is stop listening to me because I, but I mean by that is you've received enough information that you can now create your own curriculum to mm. get you to that place. That's my, that's my happy place. If I get you to create that curriculum for yourself so you can learn, grow and thrive mm. personally and professionally and not need to come to me anymore, that would make me so happy. Mm. But th- that's, that is my goal. Hey guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey guys, this is Dr. Colin Zhu, AKA the chef doc. I just want to take a few moments of your time to talk to you about something, something that I feel needs to give reflection and pause for. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? I know for me, I've been on the self-work journey for a decade now. And I remember in my personal experiences uh, through my doctor's journeys and also from traveling the world, I was always searching for the next step or thinking that happiness was a destination. However, it's not. What I found instead was that life was a process. And learning about life was also a process and a practice. And that the state of happiness and the state of joy and contentment was also a practice. For those of you who don't know, since I don't share that much on my podcast, is that I actually battle with anxiety, OCD, and in the past, episodes of depression. However, little by little, step by step, after seeking extra help, I've been able to achieve monumental things in my life that I've been eternally grateful for. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. BetterHelp is a sponsor of this podcast. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. There is a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's counselor network, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they can make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. A couple of reviews. This is by Rebecca Raymer. Becky has literally saved my life by truly understanding me. She has given me self-talk strategies and different thought pattern exercises that have made me stronger and a more aware person. I am so, so grateful to have found her. I've been to so many different therapists and none have helped me like Becky has. 
This is another review for Adam Johnson. I've had counselors before, both on BetterHelp and in person through work. And Adam, by far, is the best counselor I've ever talked with. I feel like he actually listens to and what is going on. He asks questions to help you navigate your thoughts. And you can tell that he is listening and wants you to help you. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash the chef doc. That's better H E L P and join the over 1.4 million people taking charge of their mental state with the help of an experienced professional special offer for thrive Bite listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash the chef doc T H E C H E F D O C. Thank you for listening guys. And back to the episode. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. And I love that too because you and I love thriving. And you know, we're ta- we were talking about, um, you know, and I really a big believer that you know, in order to thrive within yourself, you have to be able to thrive together. And I think um, in this year of twenty one. It's, uh, I really truly believe the themes of unity and togetherness, you know, and knowing that, you know, we are in this together. I know that we hear that a lot, but, you know, we, we can apply that same, you know, euphemism for everything, you know, for medicine, Mm -hmm. because, you know, for, for a non-healthcare, you know, person, COVID really opened, you know, exposed a lot of the deep cracks within our healthcare system, right? And so on a systemic level, you know, we do need to kind of, you know, patch those cracks up. But, you know, in terms of, you know, we, we are the game changers, the physicians are the game changers, and we need to be able to rally together. Um, And I love who you are as a person, not just what you've learned, but who you are in terms of being vulnerable. Because I think that vulnerability, you know, you hear this a lot um, popularly with like speakers like Brene Brown and things like that. But it's really, it's really true because being vulnerable allows you to be open and, you know, being able to not be afraid to just open yourself up wide open and trusting that someone will not hurt you, you know, and not get hurt at the same time. Right. But there's a power behind that vulnerability where, you know, every, you know, it, it gives someone else permission to think within their own lives, their own situation, um, and, and figure out how to pivot, figure out how to change, how to switch directions. And be, by being vulnerable, you know, that helps someone else just by doing that, you know what I'm saying? And that is definitely a round of applause, you know, just for that. Um, So I definitely applaud you for, you know, being open and being vulnerable. Thank you. So in terms of the system, I mean, you know, if you had a magic wand, if I could snap my fingers, you know, just like, you know, the Avengers (laughs) and, you know, snap my fingers and be like, Harry, if we can do this all over again, or you know, take the DeLorean and go back into the fa- uh, and back into the past and change something. Like, how? What would you do differently, either in your own personal journey or in terms of the system as it's being built? Sure, um, I would take lessons from leaders. Learn to lead. Learn to lead. And again, it's you don't need to be a leader by title. You need to be a leader just by your nature. Uh, and t- learn the lessons from leaders so you can grow in your personal and your professional life. And I think you're going to see an exponential increase in in your own wellness is learn to lead. And it's not as scary as a term because we're leaders. We all are all leaders, you know, be it if you're um, no, no matter what your position is by title, we are all leaders and we all have influence. So learn those lessons of a leader and you're going to become um, a better and healthier and well person because of it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. We were talking a lot about leading by example and that's, uh, you know, that's a key thing. Uh, Harry, thank you so much um, for uh, everything. I do definitely want to close out, you know, the session and I love asking this to all of my guests is how do you personally thrive? You know, today we've talked a lot about, you know, resilience, vulnerability, but within your personal life, you know, you also, you know, talk about thriving on your website, 
Um, you know, how do you personally thrive? Like what, what fuels your fire, you know, in addition, what gets you up in the morning, what drives you to do what you do? And the second part of this question is, you know, would you be able to give the audience three tips, um, you know, how to reduce burnout and increase, you know, your own wellness? Sure. Uh, so how do I thrive? I can tell mm-hmm. you, and this will, this will be related to, to the tips as well, is I do three things. One thing is I have habits. I have rituals that I defend fiercely. I have a an arise ritual and a sleep ritual. Many people know it as a morning and evening ritual, but sometimes I arise at 2 p.m. depending on the shift that I work. And sometimes I go to bed at... Um, at 6 a.m. just because I sometimes have to work a night shift. So I have what's called an arise ritual, A-R-I-S-E. And that means basically affirmations. So when as soon as I rise in the morning, I give myself a quick affirmation. I always read 10 pages of whatever I want. I inhale. And by that, I mean, I take deep breathing exercises. I use Headspace. That's been the uh, that's been what I've been using. It's been really successful for me, the Headspace app. I scribble. And by scribble, I mean I journal. And that has been one of the most powerful things that I that I can all I could recommend your listeners is to journal, and I could talk about that in just a second. And E is to exercise, A R I S E, and the E is the exercise. I get my exercises in the morning because if I don't do it, there's always some kind of excuse for me later on not to do it. So I make sure I get it done mm-hmm. in the beginning of my day. And my sleep ritual is S L E E P. I stretch before I go to bed. I let go of electronics, and by that I mean I don't look at my phone for about 45 minutes before I go to bed. Now, you know, part of part of my administrative duties is that I have to be accessible, but I always keep my phone in the bathroom. And I've, mm. my team knows that if they ever need to get a hold of me, it's a phone call. It's not a text because I'm not going to respond to it. A, because I'm not going to hear it, but also they know that I'm not going to respond to it uh, because I think sleep is so important. But if they need to get a hold of me at two in the morning, they have to call me um, and I keep that in the bathroom. E is exhale. Again, it's breathing exercises that I use the Headspace app. So I use the Headspace app in the morning mm-hmm. and I use it in the evening. E is ex- and the other E is explore new ideas. And by that, I mean, uh, I journal. I journal again, but this type of journaling is a little bit different. I just kind of put down things, thoughts that happened to me throughout the day. I just dump my brain onto the sheets of paper. And then the P is prepare for the new day. So prepare for the new day is I use the uh, Michael Hyatt's the full focus planner. I have it actually just to my right over here. And I I know exactly what I'm going to be doing the next day. You know, Michael Hyatt on his planner has what's called the daily big three. And mm-hmm. I write down my daily big three the night before. So there's no guessing on what I'm going to do the next the next morning because I know I know what my next my big three are going to be for the next coming day. And I think I just want to talk about with with um journaling. Many of us are, are are simply afraid to journal. I think many of us as type A personalities, uh, perfectionists uh, perhaps, we are afraid to open up a journal and we're afraid of the blank page. And what I always tell people is, if that is you um, and you don't know what to write in a journal, then use something called the five-minute journal. The five-minute journal, you can get it on Amazon. I think it's $27. And it gives you three writing prompts in the morning and three writing props in the evening. And that gets you started on the journaling process. And I guarantee you, I've yet to find anybody who's bought a second five-minute journal. Because once you find the power of journaling, you're just going to buy yourself a blank journal once you finish your five-minute journal, which should last you about three months. So those are some ways that I thrive. I also, one of the things that I found incredibly successful, Colin, is I mm-hmm. thrive and I thrive with my wife. And by that, I mean, mm. every single week without fail, we have a, you know, and I'll put it in air quotes here, a date night. And by mm-hmm. that, I mean, we, you know, we look at our Google calendar and we print out the week ahead and we go through it hour by hour for the next coming week. So we all know where we're going to be. But more importantly, we all know, we know, um, times that we just need to spend uh, with each other and times that we need to spend for ourselves. You know, so if I, so what we'll do every week, uh, we'll give each other an afternoon or a morning, however the schedule works. So my wife, Francesco, you know, you've got Friday morning. So I've got the kids in the morning and that's your time. You can do whatever you want with that time, but it just kind of sets us together. And it's, we go over our goals. We go over our dreams we go over not just the week ahead, but 
the month ahead, six months ahead, five years ahead. Mm. And that's that's been so important for me on a personal level, but for the family as well. And that's, a, I think, one of my last tips that I would do, that I would give your audience is take the time to schedule, to schedule this time with your significant other, with your spouse, to have that time together. Because if you don't schedule, it's just simply not going to get done. It's like, oh, yeah, maybe we'll do it on Sunday. Nope, you have to schedule it or it just won't get done. Yeah. Yeah, especially uh, that definitely speaks to a lot of, you know, uh, people that are busy professionals, um, not necessarily healthcare professionals, but just busy, you know, Um, you know, COVID has definitely shifted us to uh, be more, you know, indoors. But I feel like, you know, for some of us that we're actually busier, you know, and I think the tip of scheduling is super important. The tip of thriving with your significant other is even more important because, you know, it goes back to what we're talking about, teamwork, right? And being able to lead not just you as a couple, but also lead you as a family, you know, and knowing knowing that, uh, you know, in order to thrive together, you know, we also have to thrive from the aspect of me and my significant other, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I love, I love your acronyms. They, you know, I definitely picked up a, a one or two. So, um, you know, they were all very, very beautiful. Harry, thank you so much for being on the show and being able to share your experience and wisdom and your tips to thrive. Um, you know, do you have, uh, what are your, uh, you know, calls to actions? What, you know, what would you like people to take away with and how do people find you? Sure. So I am on all the the major uh, social media platforms. I have a Facebook page. It's um, just facebook.com forward slash medicine revived. I'm on Twitter at medicine revived as well as Instagram. But really the best place is to just go to the the website, um, medicinerevived.com. And really what I have for, for your listeners, Colin, is if you're interested, if you're interested in how to develop your own curriculum, how to get yourself to where you're at right now to get yourself to a better place. And by that, I mean personally and professionally. I have just a free guide for your listeners. All they can do is just go to medicinerevive.com forward slash start, medicinerevive.com forward slash start. And you'll get started with a guide that I have for you. And as a spoiler, Colin, it's not that hard. It's not Mm -hmm. that hard. It's just some very, three very intentional but very simple, but very actionable tasks to get you started on that road toward mm-hmm. wellness, personally and professionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I uh, sounds great. I mean, I'm, I'm probably going to check it myself, but def- definitely go to his website and get your free guide. And uh, Harry, Doctor Harry, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been such a uh, privilege, and you know, I really enjoyed our conversation. Um, guys, thank you for hopping on to another episode of Thrive Bites. If you like this, um, please like, subscribe, and follow. And if you feel that this was a benefit to someone else, please share it with them. Thank you, Dr. Harry, for being on the show. Thank you, sir. It was a pleasure and a privilege. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Hey, guys. That was another episode of Thrive Bites. If you liked that episode, Please subscribe and follow for new episodes. And don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts.